Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another remarkable, yep, that's what I'm calling today, interesting, fascinating, remarkable episode of FNO InsureTech. That's your co-host, Lee Boyd. Hi, Lee. Hi, Rob. You're my other co-host. I am your co-host. I am your co-host. I'm not the other one. There is, there are only two, let's be honest. Well, we're on here. We are. And here we are back for another episode of our labor of love. And today we kind of have Neo on for those of you that are, know what I mean by that reference. Uh, We, we kind of have a matrix episode of sorts. Don't, wouldn't you agree with that, Lee? I would. I would say today we have a true insured tech, right? We have a lot of people on who surround the insured tech and they influence insured tech and they have something to do with it. But I would say we have insured tech. We have technology for insurance on the podcast today. Right. And when they talk about insured tech being disruptive, sometimes it is a little and sometimes it is more so and like with today's episode it's a lot it's a lot tell us about hostel labs and what we're going to get today today we get to talk to hostel labs we're going to talk to henrietta and rachel from hostel labs and we're going to get to talk a little bit about them about the startup story how they met and and their vision for the company but in a nutshell hostel labs Uh, has created this technology that a user could use a smartphone, capture photos from the interior of a home, and produce 3D models, list of materials, and even more, right? It's it's just starting, and and their roadmap is going to be amazing. But it's really here to disrupt the interior claims or underwriting, mitigation, so many aspects of the inside. We did the interview with Rachel and Henrietta and were just kind of run over and overwhelmed by this. And that's not to make light of any of the other products and services that we've encountered right. on our podcast. But like we said, this one is, we see as having remarkable potential. And so... Well, you know, Rob, I'll put it this way. At the end of our interview, I decided, let me just Google Rachel. I Googled Rachel, who has her PhD from MIT. And I thought, well, let me just read some of her papers. Well, I, I was able to find them. I can't understand a word of them, which means that they're <laughs> they're really, really smart. So if that gives you any insight mm-hmm. into uh, the type of people that we're talking to today. So here's this week's episode of The Matrix for all of you listening. And But but I have good news for you. It's like the first Matrix movie, not the second and the third one. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's the good one. It's the only one that I actually remember. Yeah. It's the good one. So without further ado... Let's get to our interview with the co-founders of Hosta Labs. Hey, everybody. We are here with a winning episode, you might say. Do you like what I did there, Lee? Huh? I like that. Very Thank good. Thank you very much. Uh, we have the winners of a number of different InsureTech contests that are out there, and we'll get into that in a little more detail. We have the co-founders of Hosta Labs with us. 
Rachel Villalon, the CEO and co-founder, and Henrietta Fleischman, co-founder and COO of Hosta Labs. Welcome to our show. Welcome. Thank you so much. We're excited to be on. We're thrilled to have you. Yeah, very excited to have you all today. Very excited. And we're excited for two reasons. We've spoken once before and we really enjoyed visiting with you guys. And we're really excited about your product and what you guys do. So because you're newer on the InsureTech scene, maybe not well known to much of our audience, why don't we jump right in by talking about what is Hosta Labs? What do you guys do and what your product is? Hosta Labs and Hosta Labs Product Hopper AI, named after Grace Hopper, the computer scientist from the 1950s. We are able to, with a simple image, take a picture of your space. We can extract the bill of materials, floor plans, and 3D models in a couple of seconds. The reason this is pretty unique is because in my earlier life, I practiced as an architect, and I can tell you how difficult it is to take measurements calculate material surfaces and convert those all into technical drawings. It's inefficient, tedious, and pretty much prone to error. As an architect, my team and I would go back and forth to assess spaces, realize that there's no two people would get the same result. <laughs> and so that, that wasn't fun to do, especially if you're sitting in traffic in LA to go between sites. In any case, so what we do better now with Hopper is that we automate the analysis uh, using images and videos and provide a full depth view for property insurance. So we are a property analytics tool on the on the underwriting side. We are able to provide accurate replacement values, assess the risk in order to improve the loss ratios. And then on the claim management side, since we extract the raw material quantities, uh, we can mitigate the uh, risk as well as understand the mitigation measures in that space, all at the same time improving the customer experience and reducing the costs massively. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think um, adding up to the claims perspective, I think one of the biggest values we add besides the cost reduction by automating, intending to fully automate the claims estimation process for interior structures. To add on that one, we, we aim to provide an objective scope of work, right? So what Rachel mentioned, what she experienced as an architect, two people assessing the same space and coming out with two different results is something you would not need to experience anymore using our technology. So tell us, how are these images put into your system? Is there a certain device that somebody would have to use or are they able to use their smartphone? Fantastic question. I mean, we're actually device agnostic, so you can work off of any smartphone and then integrate with an API. So we are tar um, looking at insurance carriers, obviously, to provide our product to them with an API integration, an API standard interface, and that can work either with their apps if they have some, and then they just push pictures to our server of interior spaces. And alternatively, we provide them with an opportunity to send a web link to, via a message to their policyholder that they can open and then take pictures. Again, it will be pushed to our server and the insurance carrier gets the output required to do the work on estimation or on the underwriting side. So is it the more photos, the better, or is there a, a limited number of photos that have to be taken to be able to produce this model? Yeah, the more photos, the better. We can get a more comprehensive overview of the space. Our patent, which to mention we're an MIT spit out, is on a single image to 3D model and data itself. There, There is an upper limit where our AI would 
would say, well, th th that's enough. <laughs> uh, I already know uh -huh. what this space is and what that content is all about. And so we've trained on over 2 million data points. We've shown really great results, even with like less data. And that's a testament to our algorithms uh, in this process. And so the final product that the customer gets is not only the measurements, but also the bill of materials that is composing what's inside of the room? That is correct. We are actually breaking a room into its parts and we are able to take a material takeoff, measure the surface areas of those different materials in the space. We are able to not only do that for structural elements, we also do that for certain objects in the room. Think about kitchen cabinets, for example. We can tell you how many doors are on the cabinet, etc., and detect the different materials. Our vision is to provide a human-like understanding of the room and to be the objective source of truth, literally, for an automated structural assessment. So Hopper AI has been built on a deep taxonomy of the built environment in order to produce these outputs for our customers. So in, in a minute, I want to talk about how incredibly smart you two are and how this came out of MIT. And I really want to talk about that, but I don't want to leave this discussion yet with, without really understanding what that output is that we're getting. So if I'm an insurance company and let's say I have a claim, that output that I'm able to get from that inspection is measurements. It's a 3D model. And then it's a list of materials or objects within the room. Is that right? Correct. That's what we are producing today. What we envision in a partnership with carriers that we are in negotiations with right now is to be even more specific in the output, which means we are not only outputting the raw materials as of today, right, with surface areas, but we envision to actually output the raw material quantities it takes to repair the damage and mitigation measures required to literally mitigate the damage. So I give you an example for, assume you have a water damage, some of your pipes broke or the dishwasher, whatever. What VR Envision is, because we understand the size of the room, we understand the different materials and we have trained on different scopes of work that we understand how many heaters would you need. We understand what kind of the wall, for example, needs to be taken off how much of the wall needs then to be replaced. So the output would literally be a report for the intermediate desk adjuster to be able to then already have at hand all the suggestions our algorithm spits out in terms of uh, raw material quantities and mitigation measures required to repair a damage that can be validated and then just need to be uploaded into, for example, Xactimate. And ultimately, obviously, the, the, right. the bigger goal is to do that all automatically. Right. Well, good luck with that integration. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's a whole amazing. Other story. That is amazing. My jaw is kind of on my chest right now because you guys seemingly, of course, we haven't demoed your product, full disclosure, but you've kind of innovated into a space that's very significant. I mean, you've, you've cracked the code here because what you're saying is, is that a homeowner could be instructed, like you said, through an API to take a number of pictures, probably from different positions around a room or around a house. And that would be the end of it. That's the vision. Yeah. That's correct. I think that you're solving not only one problem, which our industry has been trying to solve, which is how do we get the photos from inside the home quicker? You're also solving 
Now, how do I interpret those photos, which has been a, a big issue? We've right. been able to get photos from inside the home for a little while, but it takes the desk adjuster a while to say, no, what am I looking at? What is this actually telling me? I wish I had an idea of what I, I, I could at least start estimating. And you're saying that we're that, that that your company is able to produce not only the photos, but the 3D imagery and possibly a list of, hey, this is where you should start. Uh, we think this could maybe be repaired or we think you need to replace four square feet of drywall. I mean, you're really allowing the straight through processing to happen, which is something that every insurance company uh, has has been wanting. I mean, how, how exciting, how exciting. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a fantastic opportunity to help the insurance carriers, not just in the times of COVID when, and honestly also the policyholder, when, when it is quite threatening to have somebody, some stranger over at your house, right? But right. even beyond to make it just more efficient to handle claims and to get insights into the black box, which is still the case today, the interior structure of a house, right? Right. And so we've heard of Xactimate trying to do some straight through processing on roofs, right? We can say we have the images of your roof before and after a storm based on these hell hits. We think that you need to repair 35 shingles and here's the estimate all within a split second. But what you're saying is that you're going to try to do that for the inside while using pricing softwares like Xactimate right? You don't have any interest in going in and actually pricing the materials? No, we actually don't because it's just such a different monster to establish getting all this pricing information and maintaining that. I think our team is best suited to focus on innovating on the computer vision side to make structural assessment or spatial assessment as frictionless as possible. Is there a certain software you're interested in partnering with? Or I guess at this time, it's open to, to open APIs that if Symbility, CoreLogic's product, or Barrow's product, Xactimate, you would be open to both? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking of Hover, the company that was founded by AJ Altman, and we've had him on. And Hover's a fabulous product that we use regularly as required by the carriers that we're working for. Various carriers want to use Hover. Are you all familiar with Hover? Do you, do you know that product? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So is it fair for me to say you're the Hover of the inside? I think that's a nice comparison. However, I would say in terms of the level of depth that we are able to generate on an interior space, we might, be, we might actually go a step further than Hover, actually. Okay, explain. Well, in terms of the of being able to segment every little portion of the space, right? Providing a self-perception of the space. So a wall understands it is connected to a ceiling, it's connected to a floor, and hence it has a certain kind of self-perception. Obviously, it's a very easy way of or blunt way of formulating an AI technology, but that gives us the competitive edge on actually being able to provide maintenance insights and um, repair insights. What's unique here is that Hopper has a, a ability to understand content relationships. So a wall is not just a wall in a space. That's a four-inch partition wall with a two-hour fire rating. It knows it's connected to the floor and ceiling. And well, why is that important? So if there's a big damage on the walls, if there's a pole for whatever reason, the ceiling and the floor understand that it's structurally impacted, which then gives a comprehensive overview of the damage, uh, therefore giving a better uh, pricing overview. How is it possible to get 
dimensions and measurements and that from just a picture from a smartphone. So I'm standing in the middle of a room and I have a wall that's six feet over there and it's eight by 10. How is it possible to do that? It, what algorithm, what mathematical formulas, I guess, what is that math? Is that science? Is it magic? It's math. It's also hopper. One of the uh, interesting pieces of just machine learning, deep learning, AI in general, is that it's a black box and the AI is thinking for itself. It's self-learning. So you can't always understand what's happening inside Hopper's mind. right? But because Hopper understands spaces uh, algorithmically and is self-learning and self-thought of what initial conditions look like, for an unseen space, it's able to extract what those measurements are. So for those of our listeners out there who are saying, what are these, a couple of geniuses? The answer is yes. Yes. And you're probably saying, what, they go to MIT or something? The answer is yes. Rachel has a PhD from MIT. Is that correct? That's right. I should mention I'm I'm always learning still. So there's still ways to go for me. (laughs) So tell us how MIT fits into all of this. It fits in particularly because of Hopper's competitive advantage here is essentially its algorithms and the team. Uh, there are only two people who got accepted into my program, uh, and there's only a handful of people who have the knowledge to create a system like Hopper. And those people are our friends, uh, essentially. And the research that has been applied to this is also stems you know, up to you know, far back as 10 years uh, into this area as it continually had, have improved. RIP, however, is separate from MIT. That's uh, not say that the uh, it's my, my PhD work as well as the, the research that has gone on to this has been uh, an inspiration for building Hopper afterwards. I think Rachel is so humble. What she did not mention is when she worked as an architect, she was always questioning why is there no better solution in the market to assess spaces? Why do I have to do this manually? Why do I have to send a force of people to do that, right? And so she just decided to do her master's and PhD at MIT. And she mentioned it's a program that accepts two people per year. Yeah? I mean, it took on a 10-year journey to then be able, always with this mission in mind, to then create a tool that just does it better. So this has been born like... A dream. Yeah. It's a dream that you've had for years. Is that correct? That, that's right. Uh, you mentioned being in the field, understanding why uh, current products in the market weren't, weren't addressing the problems that I was seeing there. And that's what inspired me to go to MIT, get deeper into developing uh, solutions and really getting to the core and how can how can we as HOSTA going forward address these problems in the field and help people be, become efficient uh, as well as I had uh, imagined that the process should be. That's just wonderful. So you both are co-founders. You got to tell us, how did you meet? How did you decide we're going to do this? What did that look like? Tell us about the extremely early days. I feel like we're in the early days. So tell me about the extremely early days. Tell us the story. It's a pretty story, actually. I spent most, not most of my MBA, but a significant amount of my MBA time at MIT over at the computer science department to understand what's under the hook of AI and took a lot of statistics and math classes there as well, just to get a better understanding. Because prior to that, I worked uh, 12 years in corporates, automotive, uh, financial services, and uh, fashion retail, and everybody was talking about it. 
but nobody was really able to explain me what it really is. MIT gave me that exposure. And on top of that, I spent a lot of time in the Martin Trust Center of Entrepreneurship to just experiment and see what's possible. And Rachel had posted literally, very manually actually, written, there's a wall in the Martin Trust Center um, of MIT, which is the Center of Entrepreneurship, I think I mentioned that. And she had written onto a wall that she's searching for a business development person. And uh, literally that gave the kickoff. I got in touch with her. Um, we started talking. That was about, I think, February last year, Rachel, right? Yeah. Well, you have already been working on the technology for quite a while. And yeah, we literally decided, let's try out how this works while I still do my MBA. Eventually, we, we decided to go with it. I mean, in June, for me, it was a decision to go back to consulting and become partner in a consulting firm or to just start through with Rachel and make this happen. Well, you see the outcome of this decision, right? Here we are. Yeah. So, Rachel, what did you think when you meet this crazy Henrietta woman? <laughs> it was great because it's very rare to, at least for, for my experience, observation, to see someone from the business side of MIT come over to the, the technical side of MIT, the, the computer science department and uh, you know, architecture as well. And so the, I was very impressed with her background and her, her knowledge and experience, but also that she's made time and carved out time to understand artificial intelligence through the classes she's taken, or even pre, like prior to MIT, she had uh, done some coding courses. And so that was pretty unique, right? This is someone I could talk to in tech as well as uh, we, we can also talk to business together as we um, yeah, go uh, through this. She's still rolling her eyes, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I would assume, Henrietta, you have to deal with that a lot, right? I mean. <laughs> she gets that from me, too, on the business side, though. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. It cuts in both directions. Yeah, that's true. There must be some balance, yeah. <laughs> and so let, let's talk about, about some of the competitions. You have taken your product and you've applied for some competitions and won, right? Tell us about that. What have you typically, or what have you recently uh, been a part of? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. So we recently won the Female Founders in InsureTech, which was an incredible opportunity. It's a very well-organized program that gives you exposure to, first of all, different classes on, well, classes, webinars, or speaking to experts, you could say, on sales, on product, on fundraising, etc. Plus, you we matched up with incredible mentors, and we were matched with uh, Mark, the CIO of the Hanover, and Lisa, who's senior director at AAA in underwriting. And um, plus, uh, on the uh, these um, plus, we had some mentors on the software side, actually, on the software backend side of insurance, and. That was insanely valuable. I can just tell you, it gave us a lot of insights into the different customer profiles. It gave us um, an opportunity to polish our pitch for the long. And well, it worked out well, right, on the female founders as we won that competition. We also part next week on the uh, Global Insurance Accelerator Week, which is a fantastic opportunity to be matched with different carriers. And uh, I think it all kicked off with the Hartford InsurTech uh, challenge on the best self-service solution that was featured by Travelers, actually. Really, really grateful on that. I absolutely understand why uh, you won. 
these awards and why you've been out there because you have a great product and you have a great understanding of it and a very, very good understanding of the insurance need. I mean, you're out there to solve a problem. Where are we at right now in, in the company's life? Are we funded? Are we looking for funding? What are you, what are you doing right now? Fantastic question. Thanks for this opportunity. <laughs> we, um, we closed our first institution around in June, and um, that enabled us to double our team, to onboard first customers, and to well run through those competitions, plus to actually release our better version of the API. And we are right now, we just run through Techstars for the last couple of months, and we are now at a point to raise our seed round that will enable us to go forward on board for the insurance customers and release our API to the market, our Hoppe AI, as well as increase our engineering team. As you got together, you were you were meeting, you were working towards co-founding, if you will. And did you know that insurance was one of your primary verticals at that point in time? When we discussed last year our go-to-market strategy, I think we did the typical thing, having a, a, literally a product, a solution that could be addressed to different markets, right? We wrote down the different markets that our solution could, could add value to. And then did the classical sizing, did the coherence um, on product and market, et cetera. One of my friends who did the MBA with me helped me quite a bit to dive deeper into the insurance market just to get a better understanding. And then we did uh, started out with discovery calls on the insurance side and read it, well, relatively fast understood that there is some really strong interest there that we peaked. We were able to execute fast on a couple of paid pilots and now are actually in advanced discussions on closing and a product development, product customization, actually, to the large insurance carriers. So I would argue it was an analytic decision, actually, that we made quite deliberate. I have no doubt that you put unbelievable thought into it and kind of weighed your, your options. We've been sitting here talking about MBAs and PhDs and all of this uh, learning that has gone on. This morning, this is, a, this is a personal question for me. I can ask this because, well... I'm a co-host with Rob, but this morning I was listening to a book and it was talking about how you don't really need to go to school to get an MBA. You can read these 70 or 80 books and you can do it yourself. What is your thought on that? And I'll ask Henrietta here with your MBA. What is your thought on that? Do you think that going to school for an MBA has value or do you think that you can actually learn it yourself? That's that's an interesting question. And honestly, I was thinking about this quite a bit. I think content-wise, potentially you could with um, a lot of open classes, but obviously it's a matter in the end on um, the professors who are able to provide different insights than potentially online webinars can. I think the value of an MBA, sorry, MBA is more so than the content, which is very important, don't get me wrong, but it's the network for a lifetime. I see. I can tell you I'm still almost on a daily basis in contact with my classmates who are all very accomplished um, people in the industry, not, well, not just insurance, be across the board, who are valuable mentors <laughs> to me or yeah, on whose brains I can pick when I have a draining question or mind blocker and that's invaluable. Absolutely. And that's not true. Not that's true for my classmates. That's even 
equally true for professors and industries. And I must say, MIT as a brand is just unbeatable in terms of opening doors. I want to talk about trying to work in the insurance vertical. As somebody who has done that for many, many years, I understand that it's hard. And when you take new ideas into the insurance world, I'll say historically, it's been difficult and complicated because as we all know, insurance is not the necessarily the most receptive area to innovation and change. As you're probably aware, things are changing. There's a lot more openness. In fact, in many insurance carriers, there's even now organizations within or departments within the company designed to hear about products like yours. Uh, but now that you're on that road, Talk for a minute about what it's like to bring a completely disruptive technology, as I see it, into a relatively conservative business environment. You know, yeah, this is a great question. I think COVID has changed the environment for insurance carriers and their way of thinking so much that the the question might be even more so related to prior COVID because it's a highly regulated industry, right? Experimenting in that industry is incredibly hard because you need to get it right in order to comply with different rules, legacies, etc. And COVID has just made that to a certain extent impossible. So insurance carriers started to experiment, started to figure out ways, very hands-on, to be able to interact with policyholders while they're not able to visit their homes. And talking about claims and underwriting, right, ins inspections. And so I think this is just a fantastic opportunity now to integrate with a solution like ours that we are an early stage company and experimentation is part of every kind of startup to a certain extent, right? And uh, so is iteration. And I think insurance carriers are just much more open to that than prior to COVID. And I hate to say that, but luckily COVID is lasting long enough to really make it have an impact, right? Because it's not just over after a week. Correct. It's requiring them to make changes because the duration is uncertain. Yeah, that's right. So it's the entire digital transformation that's occurring here. And so we're habits be at the right time, at the right place. Correct. If it would have been two years ago, I think it might have been incredibly painful for you guys, but it just goes to show you how much things have changed. COVID ag agreed a major catalyst for digital transformation. I want to get back to you for a second, Rachel, and, and talk about your dream here. So you're working in the real world and you see this problem. And so are you thinking, I'm going to go back to college and learn all this stuff so I can solve the problem? Is that kind of what drove you back? Yeah, actually. So this like I was leading over a billion dollars in building projects at leading strategic innovative initiatives. And I would create customized tools and be part of our strategy to also create digital transformations at our at the firms I, I was in. It required more knowledge, in my opinion, that wasn't quite available elsewhere at the time. Right? And access to special knowledge that I couldn't have had access to. Deciding to go back to college was more, well, more, it was like, I, I do want to learn more. <laughs> that, that was like a, a personal interest, but also being able to create a deep impact in industry with a product, with the type of, of skills and knowledge I knew that was required uh, to enable that. And so it was a, a, a fulfilling journey 
for me to go through the uh, master's and PhD program, um, in which eventually became the foundation for which uh, Hostel Labs AI has been built upon. But you were kind of, you had this in your pocket the whole time. You were hoping that this would be an outcome. Once you get a PhD, right, it, people ask you, well, when are you going to write your next paper? Or are you going to become a professor? <laughs> well, I, I I, I could write a bunch of papers and you know, wouldn't know who's reading it. And But for me, I really wanted to have an impact uh, on people directly in terms of uh, industry and products so that that was more tangible for me to see and to um, you know, help influence. Lee, don't you kind of feel this is revolutionary? I mean, you're you're the you're you're a field guy. You have all that background. What what's your sense of it? I know there are tools out there, right? And we've had some on our podcast who who do things like this. I just think that coming from the background that Henrietta and Rachel are coming from, it it just seems so big. It seems like already in such a short amount of time, the things that they're able to do is is so big. And to be willing to partner with companies on on pricing, right? Let's get granular. To be able to, on, on pricing and and to be able to actually work towards that straight through processing, I mean that's big. So yes, I would say it is revolutionary. You know, it is revolutionizing the way that claims are done, especially for the inside, which, as everyone knows, has huge leakage. That is a big area that people want to focus on. And even to be able to talk about water mitigation, perhaps, and say, hey, based on what we're seeing, this is what you ought to do. I mean, that that can save a ton of money. So it's not only working claims or underwriting, but it's going to, in the long term, save lots of money. Is that what you're hearing from the carriers? Are they pushing you guys more towards underwriting or claims, or is that still working itself out? I would say it's a 50-50 thing. I mean, they are definitely intrigued by the possibility and opportunity to augment claims. I would say they are equally intrigued by the possibility to get an idea on different grade of qualities uh, in terms of replacement values on the underwriting side. You know, it's kind of, where do you start? Do you improve the loss ratio by gaining more insights and avoid further claims ahead by potentially also detecting risk early enough? Or is it that you're investing on the other side? And I think we see that um, insurance carriers try to outbalance the thought themselves and see the potential to integrate eventually on both sides. Is there a possibility of of your tool being able to tell us exactly what the material is and maybe even the manufacturer? So let's say you take a picture and you have carpet uh, to be able to say, hey, based on what we know, this is a high-grade carpet and it's manufactured by X. To an extent, we can definitely say that's carpet. We can also get to the uh, more granular as to what kind of carpet it is. And getting into the fabrics, for example, we have not done it on the manufacturer, but with the uh, we would have to uh, work with carriers who have that data in order to have Hopper understand that. Are you guys familiar with Flyreel? Yeah, absolutely. Can you compare and contrast with Flyreel? from a product standpoint? Yeah, sure. I mean, Flyreel is a fantastic tool. They have an incredibly cool user interface and um, are really in- interesting a solution on the underwriting side in order to detect certain risks and objects in the room. In terms of the depth of information they provide, I think we go 
father had by providing insights on materials, by being able to take partitions of the rooms and being able to output that literally on the granularity that we just discussed. And I think Flyreel is not, not there yet. But however, I must acknowledge their user interface is really cool. Yes. And, and, and they've gained a lot of traction. They're doing really good. I just want to ask you a couple more questions and then we're going to let you go because I know that we've overstayed our welcome here today. Back to your funding, who led your first round or, or was it that kind of a round? And you said you're, you're moving to a seed round next. So I, I assume this was just early angels and friends and family. No, the last round was actually led by Techstars and Motivate Ventures, two fantastic partners, I must say. We are absolutely grateful for them being on board and supporting us every day. But you're heading for a seed round next, is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay. Do you have an anticipated date for that? We are uh, envisioning to close by the end of this year. Well, congratulations. Good luck with that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Listen, as we keep saying during this, we're super intrigued with your product, super intrigued with your company, and super intrigued with the two of you. And um, we're just waiting for the invitation to come to Boston and to meet you. All expense paid, of course. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we would usually say in these times, we'll look forward to meeting you at this conference or that conference. And of course, who knows when that will actually occur. But we can't thank you guys enough for being with us. I mean, we could go on and on. Henrietta, why don't you tell us how somebody could reach you guys directly? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity as well. Our contact information is uh, just write us at founders at hostalabs.com and you will reach us directly. Great. That's H-O-S-T-A-L-A-B-S.com. Exactly. You can also find us on LinkedIn, of course. (laughs) That's the easier way. Well, we thank you guys a ton for being with us. Thank you so much. Same. No, thank you. That's incredible. Look at the smoke coming out of his ears. He's not really, it's not okay right now. We love your product again and let's stay in touch and please come back and be on the show again sometime in the future where you can talk about how things are going. Sounds fantastic. Thank you. We'd love to. Thanks. We do a lot of interviews, Lee, and sometimes we're really excited by them and sometimes we're just regular excited and, and then sometimes we have one like this. Well, this one, I was really excited about this one because me and you had an opportunity to speak to Rachel and Henrietta earlier, maybe a month ago. And it was just kind of a cold call where we popped open our videos, we talked to them, and within about two minutes, we were wowed. And I was just so excited to get to have that conversation on the air today because they have this product that is really set to change interior claims and underwriting in a very dramatic way. Right. And like Flyreel and like Planner and like others who are working on this problem in this space, it's early. Right. But the material identification aspect of it Mm -hmm. is a really big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. If they're able to do what they say they can and be able to start producing information. Think about how quickly you could estimate repairs from fires, perhaps, or water damage. Uh, if you're able to look and say, that's this type of wall. And I mean, it, yes, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and we thank them for their willingness and we thank uh, Jen Byrne for naming them the winner. Yeah. 
we thank Rachel and Henrietta for their time and their interest because not only are they guests, they're listeners. What do you think of that? I like to hear that there's another listener out there. That's right. So that's three I think we're up to now. Tip of the hat to Astrid. This one was for you, Astrid. Anyways, we thank you for being with us. Thank you as always. We love doing this and we love having you with us. And we'll say to you what we say every time. Goodbye, everybody.